Kia ora and welcome to the front row. What an exciting week it is because the Rugby World Cup is so very nearly upon us. It's all starting to feel a bit real now. The All Blacks are in Japan. They've had their last head out. Scotty Stevenson's excited. Ethan Athea was excited yes, in the studio with He's us. Thank excited. you so much. It's a face of excitement, let's be honest. Um, is it all starting to hit home a bit? That they all of a sudden there? Are they ready? Are we ready? Is the viewing public ready? What's going on? Well, I think everyone's ready. I'd say this is my least favourite time in any tournament. It's like that 10-day window before the tournament starts because everything is conjecture and there's just nothing really to base anything on factually. No one's injured. Everyone's just training. They're all in Japan. Everyone's ready to go and but nothing's by some, happening. By some nothing's of the questions happening. thrown at Ian Foster, you would think <laughs> that Ricky Mwanga was in a kind of perilous oh, state. But oh, I think totally. he's fine, guys. I think he's just fine. You know what it's like. It's the calm it's the before the storm, right? Yeah. You just wait and wait and wait and wait and you just want kick-off to come yeah, at the end yeah. of the day. It's, I think everyone's just waiting for the first kick-off to kick the game. In the meantime, it sounds like a cliche, but all we've really been talking about is things like the weather. But, you know, first of all, the All Blacks have touched down, and let's have something sweet before we get into all the serious stuff and their welcome into Japan. The kid near the front of screen with the headband, yeah. definitely my MVP. Going to town. Yeah. That, that's better than most of the huckers pre-87. Well, even you see the poor efforts in the NFL. Yeah. That you yeah. see some defensive linesmen trying to do, and then you see that, like, take my hat off to them. That was pretty good. It was interesting, Steve Anson saying their minds were blown by the welcome they got. But, I mean, this is not in solace. Every team has been treated this way and fated. I watched Australian training mm. yesterday. The crowd there to watch that. South Africa's training uh, the last week before the Japan game, insane number of people in the stands. I mean, this is going to be the theme of this World Cup. I think New Zealanders have underestimated the passion for rugby in Japan, full stop, and the passion for events in Japan. This is going to be an amazing tournament. Yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? And um, what, I, what was interesting in that as well is that the All Blacks managed to get through the airport all right because they weren't too disrupted by the typhoon, which the Wallabies delayed their flight for, which mm. England was stuck for five hours at the airport for. I mean, Issa, your playing career, did you ever face that kind of disruption? Was well, it always it's, it snows in Dublin at least once a year, <laughs> so you know you're going to at least lose one game. And what do you do? You just got to sit back, look out the window, look at the weather, and uh, just wait to get on the plane, really. It's part and parcel, isn't it? There's going to be delays, you're going to have issues, and teams will deal with it. It's fine. Better now than before the final. Yes, very good point. Um, and one of the things that teams have been dealing with, as I mentioned before, is the heat. All we've been hearing all week is how sweltering it is in Japan. Um, so they're talking about the temperatures. They arrived in 30 degrees plus, and while most are feeling that heat and humidity, the ABs, Brad Webber specifically, not so bothered. For me, it's just like a pre-season. That's what it felt like out there. Like, so it's not like this is something outrageously different than we have never experienced. It's like, it's just a summer in New Zealand. <laughs> OK. Yeah. First of all, I don't think we actually get 35 degrees that often in the Tron, to be fair. Brad. No, possibly not. <laughs> possibly not in the Tron. But it can get pretty humid up in Okalofa. Oh, yeah. About that. Oh, yeah. It's, uh... It's cricket weather, but I can guarantee you it'll be cold it'll for the change. first match. It'll, it'll be windy, yeah. it'll be raining, it'll be wet. So Usually as, as the way. Soon, as soon as the first match, do you reckon? Because that's only, like, what, nine days away? Oh, they'll, you always prep. You prep for great yeah. weather, you, you, you train, you try and deal with the heat, and as it has it, 
it always comes back and rains on the first kickoff. Thanks, Jim Hickey. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd got you on for your weather knowledge. This is great. That's actually Dan Corbett to you. Thank you very much. Sorry very much. Sorry very much. Uh, look, I've got to say, um, Ian Foster made some interesting comments mm. about this. Because it is humid, because the ball is slippery, because it is hot, uh, ball control is going to be really crucial in these games. The All Blacks want to attack. They've made no secret of that fact, and we'll cover that Tonga game in just a moment. Uh, but you're going to have to have your skill level up to scratch. If we do face these conditions during this tournament, that's going to put a lot of pressure on catch and pass play, which is the All Blacks' bread and butter. So they are preparing for this in every way they can. All right. Uh, taking advantage of having you two in here as well, and while we are talking all things Rugby World Cup, cards on the table early because I'm going to ask who you think, not going to ask who you think will win it all, but we're going to talk through the pools. So right. have a look at the pools here. Who you see is making the cut. Let's go pool A first. Well, Ireland, to me, Issa, I'm sure you'll agree, are favourites in that pool for sure. But I think, having watched Samoa against Australia, I, I was prepared to say Ireland and Japan would go through out of that pool. Scotland's form hasn't been great. I don't think they've had the best build-up. But uh, I think the Samoa-Japan and the Scotland-Japan games are going to decide the second place in that pool. Yeah, that Scotland-Japan game will be crucial. The very last one of yeah. pool play. You know, what Gregor Townsend has been building for Scotland um, will probably ramp up to that game. But I'm still going to back Ireland. Scotland to, to push through in that pool. I think Samoa will um, have their moments, um, but I think mm. what Gregor Townsend's done with Scotland is they'll peak if they don't have any injuries. Yeah, let's hope. Thinking with my um, heart more than my head, I kind of am hoping more than anything that Japan goes through and can make their very first quarterfinal. Yeah, um, it would be a big assignment if they do because yeah. they're either going to face New Zealand or South Africa. Yes. So it may I wouldn't, be as I wouldn't far expect as they them get. to go any further, no, but, but it would be such a heartwarming story. Yeah, Kimberly, you're exactly right. It would be nice for Japan to make a first ever quarterfinal. Agreed. Um, pool B as well, of course, that is New Zealand's one. So New Zealand, South Africa, Italy, Namibia, Canada. Uh, New Zealand, South Africa, let's just not linger too long on that one. Pool C. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I mean, I think you're right. <laughs> Does anyone have a contrary point of view? No, no, no one in the world. <laughs> okay, great. Pool C, pool of death, pool of intrigue, whatever you want to call it. England, France, Argentina, United States, Tonga. Unfortunately, Tonga's showing uh, last weekend would pretty much do more than eliminate them from kind of contention in most people's minds, I think. Who do you think's going through there? Yeah, well, the two bottom teams are no chance at all. United States, even though they've shown some improvement, certainly they did under John Mitchell. I don't know if that's continued under Gary Gold, but uh, he's, uh, the big question here is what France are bringing to this tournament. I'm nervous that no one has talked about them at all. I am a massive fan of the French, and in particular this team. They've got these young guys with raw talent and a really good skill level up there with the All Blacks, and they've just had a little bit of structure over the last, say, six months, and this is a team to watch out for, and I'm still going to back them to get ahead of Argentina. Mm. That's really interesting because most predictions around them, I guess, have kind of been based on the last couple of years and some pretty poor performances, you know, that loss to Fiji, things like that. But do you really think that you've seen some sort of, I guess, building in this period that could come to a peak at this World Cup? I think I think over the last two years, if you watch their Six Nations matches, they haven't done outstandingly well, but they've been there or thereabouts. And it's always a shambles. They've guys getting pulled in from left, right, centre just for a small amount of time. All they needed was a little bit of structure 
some coaches that put a little bit um, of structure around their attack and game plan and let their individual flair still shine. And these guys are starting to hit their straps. And I've seen that over the last few weeks. All right, interesting. All right, last pool. Uh, that is pool D. Let's have a look at that one. Uh, let's not have a look at that one. That's all right. Australia Wales, Australia, Wales. Yeah. Uruguay, yeah. Georgia, yeah. Fiji. There we yeah, go. Look, Australia and Wales are going to get through in that pool. Again, it just comes down to who gets out on top. Uh, you know, I think Australia are probably better than they've shown. Uh, and they usually manage to find their form during these tournaments. I don't know about the Welsh at the moment. Their form has been so up and down over the last six months. So I just, I can't figure it out with the Ireland defeats. I yeah, don't know where I, they're at. I really think they're going to they're gonna get through scoring the least amount of tries. Wales. Mm. Yeah, they're going to squeeze through. Um, and I think they might end up, I'm going I'm to push and go, I think they might end up on top. I think Gatlin does enough just to play that sort of downright football that just gets wins mm. and that's what he wants in a World Cup. He's only worried about the win, doesn't actually care what it looks like and mm. I think it might be enough just to get out on top of the Aussies. And the Aussies, I guess you kind of expect them to come to the party more so in the knockout stages anyway? Yeah, well, I mean, they've got an easy pull. I mean, yeah. and again, this is the problem for a lot of the teams. You know, they're going to come through. They've got one big game in their pools, Australia and Wales, New Zealand and South Africa. Yeah. This is argu arguably a tough assignment because you've got to look at what you've got to face during those pool stages and how then you peak for the three games you've got to mm. win to win a Rugby World Cup, a quarter, a semi and a final. So, uh, you know, I, don't, I know people look at the pools and they can do pool curves and you can look at the various form and the teams you've got to play, but I, I don't think it's all roses when you've got an easy pool like Australia, Wales... New Zealand South Africa mm. do. Yeah. Um, on that note, let's have a look now at some of the most recent glimpses, or the most recent glimpse rather, we've had of the All Blacks, that 92-7 thrashing of Tonga. Here's what Steve Hansen reckons they got out of that game. Well, we got rugby time. We got collision time. We got set-piece time. We got uh, time on the ball under pressure and time on the ball in open space. So, you know, that's what rugby's about. And um, <laughs> we play a... A massive game in two weeks' time. So if we didn't have any of that today, then we would have been in a lot of trouble. I'll agree on the time on the ball and open space call. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much all they got. Uh, <laughs> that was a training run. Yeah. And I felt for Tonga. I don't even think it was a training run. Yeah. Their trainings would have been harder than that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they're. They always like to train at a high intensity and put pressure on them. Usually the defence in All Black sessions comes out on top of the attack. Mm. And that was um, that was more like a walkthrough. Yeah, I, I mean, I really did feel for Tonga, and I know they're missing some players, but, you know, and I know that's caused a debate around world rugby and the mm. rules around these Tier 2 nations, but uh, just no-one wants to see that in no. the modern game. No. In a professional game, you're sure in the amateur era, you yep. knew that there was the haves and the have-nots, but now, when you've got so many Tongan players playing for other nations, also in clubs around the world, yep. you know, not being able to muster a team that's competitive is a real shame for them, and they're going to go into this tournament massively on the back foot now. For the All Blacks, I think, getting through unscathed is a yep. bonus. But I think Issa's right. They're going to ramp up the training in the first month of this tournament yep. like they did in 2015. So by the time they hit that quarterfinal, they are going to be absolutely hissing. Yeah. Um, are there things that we can take out of that game? I guess the first one that springs to mind is Joshuani actually getting on the field, making his All Blacks debut. In a situation um, like that, does it give you confidence that if he is, you know, given that call up... Um, for the World Cup that he could perform, or is it just too hard to tell given the context of that game? Man, I just like the fact that he got out there. I, I was, I was really I annoyed that um, 
his tee flew off, the, uh, the ball flew off the tee and he had to like rush that kick. Those little <laughs> moments for him would have been really special. I just yeah. wanted him to slot it and actually get it over. But the fact that he got out there and just experienced that environment, that's just awesome to it's, see. His first yeah. touch in a test match ended in a try yeah. in 7.8 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's not a bad day. You're not going to beat that stat <laughs> any time soon. I'll tell you what he did get out of that game because he got melted mm. about four times in that game. They just flew at him, poor little man. But yeah. uh, he bounced back up and he got back into his job. And look, he did not look out of place in that all-black back line. Yes, the opposition were poor. Mm. So it wasn't exactly a huge test of character, but it was a test of his composure. And I think we saw enough to know that he is going to be a guy, if called upon, can deliver. All right. Um, one of the talking points as well from that game, the ABs voluntarily playing 14 men in the last 15 or so minutes after pulling Ryan Crotty and not replacing him. Here's the explanation. His welfare was more important and you know, it's a good opportunity again to put ourselves under a bit of pressure when it comes to how many are on the park. So. Now that has been referred to uh, overseas particularly as perhaps being arrogant. Of course it has. Would you expect anything else? <laughs> was it arrogant? I don't think so. Tommy had 14 men at the time as well, I believe. I mean, it was 14 on 14. Look, I don't think they're sitting in the coach's box going, bing. Um, I think everyone's going to think we're arrogant. Like, yeah. uh, they're going to, they'll have scenarios in training where they have a yellow card. Six has to go off. Yeah. A prop has to go off. Correct. You know, someone goes down, they're training there. And like, yeah. There's no way they're going to lose about the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, really. and that's the thing that comes back into it. It's hard to say arrogant, isn't it, when you're 92 points up. Like, it's arrogant if maybe there's a 20-point difference and a chance of a comeback. I just don't but understand why this charge is levelled at the All Blacks <laughs> consistently. And yeah. in, in, in anything they do, this charge of arrogance, what, what is arrogant about wanting to be the best? What is arrogant about wanting to protect your players? What is arrogant about actually hosting that test match in the first place? It's a <laughs> bullshit do think, call. Do you, do you think that Hanson's just sitting there kind of being like... Don't hate us because you ain't us. No, I don't think he's like that. I was just, no. I just think they can't win because Ryan Crotty's health leading into a Rugby World Cup is crucial. He was on a program to come back for 65 minutes, as we often see, play 40, play 65, then you play 80. His welfare, from an All Blacks perspective, is far more important than having 15 men out on a field when you're already winning by 90 points. Uh, all right, and it does bring me to the point, though, of kind of these interesting, I guess, experiments, the trainings that we are seeing at the moment as these teams go through their last tests, uh, last tests before the World Cup, because it's not just being the All Blacks trying things out. The Springboks also experimented in their win over Japan, or so they say, purposefully denying themselves possession. So here's what Razzy Erasmus said after the match. He said, playing without the ball was intentional, just for this first game to see how it goes because we never know what the weather conditions will be like against New Zealand. Now, you touched on this before, the fact that there's humidity, that the ball might be slippery, um, playing New Zealand, that they might not have much possession. Scotty, you called that game. Did you see that kind of tactic in effect? Did you think it had much of an impact? Oh, they kicked the ball. Fuff de Klerk will kick from the box at every available opportunity. And Andre Pollard will kick unless, there's a, unless there is a genuine opportunity to attack. Oh, the one thing I would say about that game, Japan showed nothing like what they are capable of. Mm. They are such a better team than they showed in that game. South Africa did enough. They didn't have a lot of ball, but they never play with a lot of ball. They're a kick-and-stick team. They That's chase. a normal Rassi Erasmus uh, game plan. <laughs> I experienced it like, uh... played against Munster for Leinster when he was coaching. I have never seen Conor Murray Box kicked the ball Correct. more in one match <laughs> than when he was coached under Rassi Rasmus. It's no different. They, yeah. they, they try and force all the possession to the other team, ramp up their defence and go from there. Yeah. That's sort of just what they did. Yeah, and I tell you, you get them into trouble when you put them in the washing machine, to quote Tony Brown. That's how Japan want to play. They want to play chaotically. They want to confuse the defensive system. And they had opportunities to do that. They, do, they would have left 
maybe five or six scoring chances out on the park, the Japanese. So that gave me hope that their tournament's going to be a mm. bit better than that result showed. Um, in terms of what it showed from a South African perspective, in terms of how they're preparing the All Blacks, did it give any indications for you as to what the ABs can expect? Oh, they, they know exactly what's coming at them. Mm. Really big ball runners, yep. really big defence, line speed and Fuff de Klerk. Yep. That, that is not going to change. Mm. We're not going to see a change in tactics from Wellington. We're not going to see a change in tactics from last season, the season before. Any year under Russia Russman is going to be the same game plan for me. There, there are no surprises in that South African team. Um, and we were also talking um, very quickly, I guess, on, on the other experimentations of both teams. Isa, you brought up an interesting point before we started this show uh, about what England's been doing. Yeah, look, I think, you know, Eddie Jones is a smart man. He's got his, his mad scientist hat on and he's like, how do we disrupt these guys? This is their last warm-up match, preparing for a World Cup. I'm going to throw a spanner in the works and let them arrive late to the field. So instead of being there an hour and ten minutes before having everything ticked and nicely in play to warm up, he's thrown it out there and go, let's just arrive 28 minutes before kickoff and deal with it. You know, you can either make excuses, you can either, you know, think of things to go wrong, why everything could go wrong, but he's gone, bugger it, just go out there, deal with it and get on with it. And what do they do? You know, spanner in the works, you're going to deal with all those traffic mm. probably issues in Japan and, yep. you know, English guys perform. And we've already seen that sort of um, come to fruition, I guess, with England being stuck at the airport, haven't we? So, yeah. go Eddie. Um, very, very, very quickly before we go, one other rugby story that has kind of irked me, I guess, as such this week. Oh. Yes, irked, that's right. That is the Super Rugby season, starting January the 31st. Get in the sea. It's cricket season. What are you doing? It's crug it's rugby season. <laughs> it's rugby season. Rugby season. You, you've just got to get accustomed to this. Uh, come on. It's too early, right? It's, it's everything's come, too early come these on. days. <laughs> Can you imagine? That got a little bit deeper. You, a second, I think. you hated a preseason anyway. <laughs> imagine starting actual contact rugby, 31st of January. I'll still have the uh, cricket bat out. Yeah, you yep. will do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, I'm glad we're all in agreement on that one because I was ready to fight about it, but that's fine. We're all agreed. It's too early, guys. Sort it out. Anyway, that's it for us for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Our last in-studio show with Scotty and I heading off to Japan soon. Issa, of course, doing plenty of the coverage uh, from back here and all of the analysis. The front row, though, will still be going strong through the World Cup, so stay tuned as we continue to build up to the World Cup.